Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every $20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at Armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Oh, mate, Brad's got all the clout. Brad, Brad can he really? sort that out. Oh, really? Yeah. We, oh, okay. we, I just thought I'd stitch him Good up. To know. <laughs> I'll be texting him constantly. Brad, I'm here. Brad, I'm outside. We're going to be stood outside Red Bull. Like, yeah, no, we, we know Brad. Brad said he'll get us in. the pit stop podcast as you know it's august guest month it's guest month we've just been reading them out at the minute haven't we? yeah we've got another big one today and this is a guest a kind of guest we've never had before we've never had anyone that's ever done anything like what he does no we haven't and we're probably i say this about every guest that we have but we're like genuinely probably the most excited to have you on no disrespect to the rest of the lads michael we love you brad but this guy's a legend Ladies and gentlemen, it's Callum Nicholas. Boys, what an intro. That energy, <laughs> that energy is mad. I love it. Absolutely. Wow. Thanks for having me. I'm always nervous for the intro. Like, my hands shake a little bit for the oh, first mate, like, two you, minutes. The energy you brought on that one was intense, man. You've got, you got me emotional right now. <laughs> Let's have it. Yeah. It's, always, it's always like slightly nerve-wracking in the beginning, and then it just gets really good, I feel like, halfway through. That's pretty much what happens. And then yeah. we start chatting a load of shit, and then who knows where it may go. We do, we do. It's the thing as well, do you just like build up and just practice this stuff, watching telly? And... No, no, not mate, really, no practice. Mate, nah. No, we literally. Said, I'm just gonna do. A, you know, I'm gonna do a podcast, and yeah, man, that's, that's, that's literally it. Yeah. That's amazing. Well, how did it start? Didn't we turn around when we were watching it and just be like, let's film ourselves chatting about it? Because we we did some podcasts it. in my room, haven't we? We'd set the mics up and we were talking about all our mates, and we'd predicted like the future. Yeah, I suppose that was our practice. We did like a couple trial runs because we got all the gear and everything. So we were just like, let's just chat shit. So we like, <laughs> but that was nothing to do with Formula One. That 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 yeah, was nothing yeah, yeah. to do with Formula One. Mm. Oh mate, it's wicked. Really, really good. Man, how are you this week? What's what's been going mate, on in good, the life of Callum? Know, I've had I've had a couple of weeks off, um, sort of recouping from the first half of the season. Yeah. Now we're back to work next week, and I just I just want to get going now. Like, what a first half of the itching. season as well, mate. What a first half? It's it's been busy, you know. It's been it's been chaotic at times, and to get the results and be in the position we're in is pretty pretty good. Yeah, just finishing before the break. Obviously, we had Brad on straight away after you know that amazing race, Verstappen coming and winning that. That was insane. Yeah, and. You mentioned straight away that you saw, didn't Verstappen run straight over and it was to you and Brad? I think it was me and it was one of the other guys with their cow and we were struggling to hold him up really. I thought, <laughs> I thought we were going down, I thought he was going to take us out. Yeah. I love that everyone knows everyone. Well, I know. Guess that's the best thing about this podcast now, we can start talking yeah, about it's that. Like, it's like a little family. little like community. Cool. Yeah, we're going to start like, getting yeah. loads that's of inside good. stories. That's that's good. Good. I've we, got no stories. <laughs> <laughs> We've got so many important questions to ask you, but probably the most important one that I have is... How was Disneyland? Mate, oh, yeah. di- mate Disneyland, what a place. <laughs> but honestly, I'm knackered. I probably need another holiday. Just been chasing the little one around for like 10 days. But yeah, it was nice, man. It's probably the first first time in a while that you just forget about everything for a couple mm. of weeks and just go and do fun stuff. And Your videos were killing me when you're on the teacups <laughs> and you've got dead oh, bad face. Oh, and when you're on God. the roller coaster, you've got dying. dead bad face. Mate, I, lo- I love a roller coaster as well. Like, that was a tough one. I, was, I struggled to keep a straight face. <laughs> Struggle. I'm a kid, like you know, you go there and there's all the rides that Bella's not tall enough to do yet. Yeah. I'm straight on there. Oh, I just, just look after Bell for a minute. I'm gonna go. Yeah. 
Oh, no, yeah. Disney's amazing I've been before. Let's just quickly tell the people, do you want to explain exactly what it is you do yeah, at Red Bull? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I am the senior power unit assembly technician at Red Bull Racing. Okay. That's, sounds very that's, serious. That's, yeah, that sounds very like intricate. What does that, well, what does that involve? Well, basically I'm responsible for sort of making sure that all our power units and their sort of ancillary systems, so cooling systems, exhaust systems, all of the pipe work and things that integrate the power unit into the chassis, I'm sort of responsible for making sure they're serviced and they're in good working order, they're sort of well looked after, as well as all of it being built to the correct spec. Um, looking after the lifing, obviously the, the mileage that's on the parts and making sure everything's sort of ready in time for all our events. And you also are part of the pit crew. Yeah. Because Fab's noticed you changing a tyre. Yeah, what that's, that's it? Uh, it's back right, isn't it? Yeah, so, yeah. Yes. so yeah. Is it well, all yeah. back yeah. right? I can't yeah, believe yeah. I've got that. <laughs> in, well fairness, done. in fairness, the giveaway is the hair hanging out the helmet. <laughs> <laughs> we look at you. <laughs> but yeah, so do the wheel gun on that uh, right and rear. Um, been doing that for a couple of years now. So your wheel gun, and so someone else will pull the wheel off, and you're there ready with it. Yeah. So you got like three. You got like three of you per corner. So obviously the car arrives, and you got to hit that nut and get the nut undone. Someone will take the wheel off. We have got another bloke will put the wheel on, and then I've got to do up that second nut. Oh, so you you take it off and put it back on? Like, yeah. The nut, the yeah. nut itself. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah well, that's that's your job. Is essentially you're, you're undoing that nut and getting it back up tight so the car can go. How precise do you have to be? Because we, we yeah. Went, yeah, we did it on the, the, you know, the F1, challenge. they have the pit stop challenge thing. We yeah. did that and I, what was I doing? I was doing the, I was doing what you do. And yeah, you were he was the doing the wheel gun, I was putting it on. And every time I was going for it, I kept missing the nut and then yeah. the thing in my thing would fall out. Like the, I don't know what you call that. Yeah, but so yeah, you just, you got, you got to hit it. You know, it's however big, it's not, it's not, you know, a couple of, you've got a couple of inches, you've probably got, you know, half an inch either side leeway just because of the shape of the socket. Yeah. But you, you've got to hit it. You've got to be pretty square on it as well. Oh, shit. That's, that's pretty intense. Yeah. Well, you hit it when you got the world record. Uh, to be honest, to be fair, when we got the world record stop, I wasn't doing the wheel gun. Oh, okay. I was doing the left front wheel off at that point. Oh, so they mix you up a little bit? Well, no. So someone who was going back to a factory job in the team, the gun was his job at the time. So, And at the time, I was a reserve gunman. So it was sort of the natural progression to step Reserve in. gunman. Like people have, you know, obviously in each role, you try and have reserves in case people are injured or whatever. So, yeah, I was sort of the natural progression was to step into that role. Mm. <laughs> so crazy. The, what was it? 1.82? Yeah, that's the world record. Yeah. And I don't I think, think that's I think ever that going to be beaten. season, we did 1.88 and 1.89. Wow. What's at what point straight after that did you realise that it was the quickest ever? Can you, you see? Do you know what? You, you don't know if it's the record because you won't get the times. Like obviously, you get the time that comes up yeah. on the screen during the race. But then the actual you know, defined time is worked out and then the, the actual listings are published. So you didn't actually know it was a world record probably until we were done like packing up around that time. We, we knew it was fast. We knew it was quick. You feel it. It's not one of those things you, we can go and look at the timings that we've got and stuff like that. Mm. But more than anything, it's feel. Yeah. You know, you know, you, you hear, you, you essentially only hear two wheel guns because you hear nut off and then and nut on. And it'll be so in sync. And then, yeah, exactly. They're so in sync. You don't hear it all. So essentially, what, it's that as the car leaves, that's when you know. That's when you know it's quick. That's mad. That's so mad to do that in, in 1.8 seconds. Like, that's ridiculously quick. You get a trophy for that as well, don't you? Yeah, we get, we've got, we got, we got, we got, we got, a, we got a few trophies every year. We get a nice little plaque with all our photo and it tells us all the times and it's nice. It's been a few years of plaques. They're all in my downstairs toilet. <laughs> so when, we, when, we, when we moved in, we put a downstairs toilet in our place. And uh, when we, when we started decorating it, I sort of said to Phoebe, I said to my partner, I said, yeah, I think I'm going to put all of my F1 stuff in there. And she was like, what do you mean? I was like, yeah, all my, you know, my plaques and stuff like that. I've got like hats and 
And so it's become a bit of an homage to racing when you go to Love the loo it. at my house. Yeah, that's unreal. They've got to go somewhere. <laughs> Does every member of the team get a trophy? Or yeah, like, yeah, everyone yeah. gets a, like the same little, like all of the all the pit stop crew members and stuff like that. Everyone gets the same mm. like plaque. And over the years, I've collected a few champagne bottles and stuff like that. So. Yeah, I'm sure the trophies are worth it. But what's the party like? Well, actually, what was what was the, what was the party <laughs> like the party. when you won last year? Do you know what? It was it was it was a weird one. I remember the next day because we had uh, a test. We obviously had the young driver, the end of season test. So we were back in the garage on Monday morning after winning, and I I remember feeling fine, and I was a bit I was almost disappointed in myself. Yeah. I was like. I didn't go hard enough. You know what I mean? Like I was in work and we were fine. We were getting the car ready. And there was obviously, there was a few people who were a little bit late and whatever, but it was, it was a good night. What does like a normal race weekend look like for you? What day do you fly out? And then what do you do when you get there? So it's a bit better this year. So last year you'd expect to fly out depending on whether it was a European or sort of a flyaway race. You'd expect to sort of fly out either Monday or Tuesday. So on a European, you'd fly oh out. Oh my God, you really are gone like the whole Yeah, week. yeah. So you'd expect to fly out on a Tuesday um, you'd be in the garage building the car and prepping on a Wednesday. This year it's got a little bit better. We've, we sort of you try and do some, you try and move stuff around, and we we try and fly out if we can on a Wednesday for the Europeans, depending on how well prepped you are. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's a lot of days away. It's a, you know it's a lot of days away, and you just sort of get used to it. It's been so long now that it's it's just become a part of life. You sort of schedule your life around it. It's, yeah. it's not easy. Yeah, I wanted to ask about that. I mean, it, like, how do you, what do you sacrifice in order to do this job? It's like, I'm really lucky. I've got a partner who's super supportive and we met when we were racing, when I was at Marussia, my first job in F1. Mm-hmm. Is she involved in F1 as well? Or? No, so no. she, she at the time, she worked for the hospitality team cool. um, when I was at Marussia and that's how we met. Um, I've seen loads of lovely girls in Formula One hospitality. <laughs> yeah, there's a, there's a few. There's a few. Okay, carry on. <laughs> no comment. <laughs> but um, yeah, so that's how we met. So she is, to, to a certain extent, she understands, you know, and at least I'm sort of in a position where I was doing it when we met. So she sort of knew that this was going to be a thing for us. But don't get me wrong, it's tough for her. She's super supportive. We've got a young kid. And I know that when she was really young, it was, it was tough for her, you know, so many hours when you're just essentially doing childcare, you haven't got another adult around. And mm-hmm. yeah, so it's, it's, it's been tough for her. For me, I'm, I miss I miss my little and I miss my partner. But to a certain extent, I you know, I love racing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you know? yeah, I yeah. Lo- I love racing, I love competing, I love being there, you know. It'd be a huge change to my whole lifestyle to not do it. Mm. Did you always want to do Formula One? Mate, not at all. Like, how's this started from the beginning? Honestly, Did you... not, not at all. Like, I, left, I left school at 18, a yeah. couple of A-levels like, that I was never really going to use and had no idea what I wanted to do at all. I knew I liked doing stuff with my hands. That was, that was all I knew about myself. So, you know, I, I resisted. I didn't want to go to uni because there was nothing that I was going to study and really get stuck into yeah, it. Like it, me, All yeah. I was going to do is I was just going to have a massive student loan. I would have had a great time. <laughs> like, I knew, I, and you know what? I'm, I guess I'm lucky that I was self-aware to know that if I was going to go to uni, it was only going to be to have a great time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wasn't going to be there because I, I, I'd found something I loved doing. So I, I spent a little while kicking around and then a mate of mine worked at a local road car garage just around the corner from my house and he said, oh, we, we need an apprentice. And I was like, yeah, I'll do a bit of that. And you know, that apprenticeship turned into sort of a job as a mechanic and I was just getting dirty every day up to my yeah. elbows in Greece, fixing people's BMWs and whatever. Earning cash in hand, it was a wonderful time. <laughs> <laughs> and, I know those times. <laughs> and, uh, and, 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 and do you know what? It, 
it was only whatever it was 2008 and I actually got made redundant the garage was really quiet and my boss just couldn't afford to keep me there and I was sort of back to the point where at least now I knew I knew I wanted to be a mechanic but because I'd never studied for it I, I knew that I was going to have to go back to college in some sort of respect to to get the qualifications yeah. I needed you know whether I wanted to go and work at a main dealers or if I wanted to start my own game like really I'd need some sort of official qualifications in order to go and do it and I was lucky a mate of mine was working in F2 at the time and he said to me oh there's a, there's a college at Silverstone it's not been there long it only been there a couple of years at the time I enrolled it was the National College for Motorsport at Silverstone Circuit it's still there now it's grown a lot but when I went there they only took like 60 pupils each year mm. And I remember going there and talking to them and they were like, oh, because by this point I was 20, you know, by this point I was like 20 and 21. They were like, ah, oh, you know, you, all of our students are like 17, you know, you'd be the oldest student we ever had. And I sort of convinced them that they needed to take me because I needed more than anything with motorsport for me was the apprenticeship opportunities. Yeah. Because I knew, you know, and it was hard because going from earning money and sort of being an adult to going back to college and being and going back to being an apprentice. It's a bit of a weird feeling. It was I a imagine. bit weird. Yeah, and, yeah. You know, I was I was lucky. I had family that helped me sort of deal with it financially. And for the rest of it, I sort of winged it. I went to college and I sort of just put myself out there. So I was just harassing teams, all the junior teams at the time. They used to all go looking for apprentices from the college. You know, motorsport, it's all sort of geographically, it's all based in this sort of middle like valley of england the motorsport valley as we sort of call it and so all of the teams used to go looking for apprentices at the college mm -hmm. and uh, i just kept putting myself out there i sort of i was at this point i saw as an older student compared to the rest of my class i was a bit of an advantage because i sort of understood life i knew that i could go there myself i was confident enough to go there myself do these right. things and one of the things that our passes from the college allowed us to do was to go into the circuit during our lunch break so with our college pass, like, because oh, obviously cool. there's always track days there. Yeah, Every yeah. day, like, you know, it's not just massive motorsport events that happen at Silverstone. Every day of the week, there's yeah, something loads going on. There, yeah. And one week I, I, I was walking around the paddock at the old garages and uh, there were small teams all setting up for Brick Car 24. And uh, I, I, honestly, I walked up and down that paddock like three times, just asking teams, oh, you know, I'm from the college. Can I come and help you out for the weekend? Blah, blah, blah. And so many of them were just like, ah, oh, no, sorry, not interested. And honestly, after like an hour of walking around this paddock, this small father and son team, they were like, yeah, you can come and help us out if you want. Just, you know, there's loads of jobs I needed doing. Mm. And that was my first ever race. That's uh, that unreal. Let's that go. Was, that was my first ever race um, as a mechanic. I slept in my car for the weekend in the circuit <laughs> yeah. honestly in the circuit car park i just laid the seat out in the old golf wow. and i slept in, in the, the golf yeah, yeah, yeah nice yeah. Car. let's go <laughs> slept in the car for the weekend and uh it was the best thing ever i mean it was it was just a massive eye opener i think that was for me the defining point it sort of took to that point where i was like this is what this i've is got what to I do, do. This what did they get you to do? do i mean i was running tires back and forth to the dunlop tent in the mm. rain it was pissing down you didn't like, care all weekend didn't care loving it smile on my face having a, having a great time loving this it, little yeah. honda integra that we ran and it was like <laughs> it was it was mega greatest experience ever and that was my first sort of motorsport reference yeah so then when i went to gp3 teams and i was like well you know i've done i've done a little bit and i can turn spanners and that was and and that was the first opportunity that I'd got to show it. And once I had that reference, then I was be able to go to teams and say, look, I'm ready to go. You know, I'm, I'm doing the qualifications I need, but I'm ready to go now. Yeah. You know, I'm ready to go right now. I'll do whatever it takes. And I got an apprenticeship at a GP3 team status 
they're called. They were running cars in GP3 at the time, which is F3 now. Um, and I did that, got a number two job mechanic, number two mechanic job there. Um, and then it just sort of seemed to just snowball. It just became the natural progression. So I, I went from there. I was lucky enough they took on a joint project where I got to do Le Mans. So at, oh, the same, so at the same time as doing a season of GP3, I was doing Le Mans events and learning an LMP2 car at the time, which was mega. Like Le Mans to this day is one of the best races I've ever done. Yeah, I really want to go watch that. Right, honestly, yeah, given the opportunity, I'd do another Le Mans like tomorrow. You know, it always clashes. Were you there for 24, the whole 24 hours? Mate, by the time, the first Le Mans I did, by the time the race started, I'd been awake for 30 hours. Wow. <laughs> you know, you forget like, you know, the pre-qualifying and the yeah, qualifying yeah, yeah. and scrutineering and all the stuff you have to do. Like we'd already done an all-nighter on the car. It was a new car. It was like mm. the first time we'd like run it in anger. And yeah, it was it was chaos, but it was amazing. And I'd, I'd do it again. Le Mans as well as a place, like the whole city becomes part of the event. You know, like oh, the really? cars go into the town yeah, for yeah. the scrutineering and stuff well, like we've that. We've never been, we'd have we? would love to go, yeah. Mm -hmm. Mate, you should do a Le Mans. Really, really cool. Um, but yeah, I, I got to do that at the same time as GP3. So I was sort of getting this wealth of experience all at once. Do you and say GP3 turned into Yeah, GP3, because GP3 and GP2, the series name just changed. They became F3 and F2. Right. I'm right. sure it's a Got complicated. So right does that mean thing. they weren't yeah, owned? Yeah. They weren't owned by like Formula One before then? Or something Mate, like I, I, don't, I have no idea. No, I, don't I have know. no idea. All I know is that like, those series, that you know, the cars were the same. They just yeah. became a Fair. Different, mm. different name. Yeah, I think guess they just wanted uniformity. Yeah, yeah, yeah it, made, make, it does make sense. Yeah. yeah, but yeah, so did that, and then one day got a phone call uh, from Dave O'Neill, who was the team manager at Marussia at the time. Just to let you know, I've never even fucking heard of Marussia before. Have you? Do you know about Marussia? No. What's yeah. Marussia? So Marussia was an F1 team that, where, where I first started. That's bad. As a mechanic <laughs> F1. So Marussia became... What year was that? Well, was right, so Marussia went into administration in like 2014. Okay. Um, I always remember it was just before the USGP because I was fuming that I didn't get to go to Texas. Oh, right. <laughs> But they, so they, yeah, so that- Oh, so, wait, they, so you, you would have been out of work for like a year or? Well, so, so anyway, so I, we'll get to that, we'll get to that bit, we'll get to that bit. But I, so yeah, I got the call to go and work for this F1 team, Marussia. Uh, they're a really small team. They were based in the factory that Hass are based in now, mm. in Banbury. Um, but it was a really small team, like, you know, it was us and Caterham at the back who was going to come 18th and who was going to come 20th, it was- it was very much like that, but that yeah. was the stepping stone for me from doing other stuff to seeing what work in the F1 paddock Yeah, got like. into the F1 paddock, yeah. And, it, but, and for me, it was still like, okay, I look back now and think, okay, compared to what I know now as F1, we were operating in a, you know, a much lesser extent, you know, yeah, yeah. A, a, this really small under budgeted team. But for me as a 23 year old, I think, I'd, yeah, 23, just turned 24, to be building cars in F1 paddock was like such a- That's unreal. It was such an eye. When I look back at it now, you know, I think of how quickly I managed to sort of escalate my career just, mm -hmm. by, just by doing whatever. Yeah, you know, yeah. Like there was a time where you could call me up and say, Cal, can you do this? And the answer was always yes. The answer was never no. Oh yeah, I can't do that. I've got this. I'd find a way. Yeah. You know, like that was sort of my attitude to it because I felt like I was behind. I felt like I was behind, you know, like now, if I was to go back, you know, I'd want to be doing that apprenticeship when I was 16, 17, you know? So I felt like I was behind the curve. Yeah, and, yeah, 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 yeah. And so I was trying, I was really just pushing and pushing. And uh, so I was at Marussia, yeah, obviously 
learned so much there. Um, and then when it came to an end, there was obviously like, you know, 200 odd people in F1 looking for F1 jobs. You know, it was like, it felt like you were in this mad scramble. You got, yeah, a lot you of got people, if yeah. you want to stay in the sport, like for me, like there was no option. I needed to stay in the sport. 200 people just from the Marussia team. Yeah, yeah. You know, that's, that's a, lot that's a lot of people. It's a lot yeah. of people. And they're you all know, you know, to find a new From one. designers and, you know, f throughout the whole of a team. It's mm. a lot of people that are now out there chasing yeah. F1 jobs. And there aren't, there aren't that many if you want to walk into, you know, a job from one team to another. They're not frequent, you know, like they're not, it's not like every other week there's a new mechanics job advertised. It's not like that, mm. you know, and it's certain times in the year. So luckily going into December was probably the best time for me to be looking for a job. But I sent my CV out to every team, <laughs> every team. I just sent my CV out and loads of them replied. Loads of them said, look, we haven't got any jobs, but we'll keep your CV on file. Um, a couple of them I, I interviewed at Ferrari. Ferrari were mega actually. They flew me out to the, for the day and I visited their factory and I, I interviewed wow. there. That's cool. And, 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 you know, ultimately I think we all knew that I didn't want to live in Italy. I wasn't ready to leave London and I wasn't ready to leave England, but they, they were a mega, they were really accommodating and they sort of helped me understand what I'd need. And yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then I got, I remember, <clears throat> I remember getting that call from, from Red Bull, um, to go to the first interview. That was like the beginning of December. Um, and I went to that interview and just remember being so nervous. I remember driving into this factory, <laughs> like from what I understood as F1, you know, I drove into this factory and I was just, I remember driving into the campus and just being like, wow, this is F1. Wow. You know, it's gone from one small, nice, nice looking building to like all these buildings and the, all the Red Bull signposts everywhere and all these cars in the car park. And you're like, wow, all these people are here racing. Mm. You know, it was a massive eye opener, the, the change from going from a sort of team that was like maybe 200 people to a team that was like 700 people yeah. or whatever it was at the time Shit. when I started. So what year was this? So that was January 2015. So right. I got, I remember getting the call just before Christmas of 2014 to say, look, we want to offer you this job. That's I don't so, think, I, don't so think I, 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 I can't remember who it was, but I can't, I don't think they got to finish their sentence. I was just like, yeah, 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 yeah. I'll be there, I'll be there tomorrow. No, 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 you don't start till January. Ledge. Wow. Was that, was Red Bull like the, the fucking giant team that they are now back in 2015? Were they like the one? Hadn't they just won? I thought they won three in a year then. Yeah, three so obviously like 20, up to 2013, they'd won four in a row. Oh yeah, so that's it. Yeah, yeah. Um, but still, you know, it was this huge team, you know, and it was, it was, I don't know, it was, it was a bit of a, bit of an eye opener. I thought I'd been doing F1 for a couple of years already. Nah. And I was like, nah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. It was like, yeah. this is something completely different. Who is like your boss? Like, who is your boss Christian? Christian's everyone's boss, isn't he? So, yeah, but do you know what I mean? Like, when someone hires you, who's the person? Is there someone? So at the time, so at the time, when I first went to my interview, it was with our support team, uh, chief, uh, chief mechanic, or our support team manager. And then when I got to the interview, our race team, like one of the race team mechanics had decided that they wanted to join the interview as well and the head of our car build. So it ended up like an interview with me and three of these guys at oh, Red Bull. Oh, no. I would have been shit. Man, I was, honestly, I was. I, was. <laughs> I absolutely was. What was the interview like? Did you just say car, car build? You had to build a fucking car in the No, interview? as in like, so, you know, they, they were the managers from those departments. I was interviewing for a factory role. So it was as a factory, oh, a factory okay. mechanic. So it was like preparing chassis doing, you know, sub-assembly work, but for the race team, right. essentially, race team prep work in the factory. That was the job I'd interviewed for. Um, and I started there. I, I started there and then like a week after, people moved around and I ended up being able to go over to our support team. 
So like our support team do obviously our, all the show events, all those Red Bull show events you see where you get like, fans get to go up and close and do donuts in cool places. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I did that for like a, a year. So my first year at Red Bull, that was that was what I was doing. It was mega. It's cool, man. Like the fan interaction, stuff like that. It's a little bit less intense as well, but you, you still get to learn how everything's working. Yeah, mm. yeah, yeah. But it's sort of a nice way to sort of lead into, because it's, again, you know, I've been racing, I've been in the pit lane, I've done pit stops at this smaller team at the back of the grid. And now, you know, you've got to perform at an even higher level, essentially the same level or higher level. And it really, it's, it matters to a lot of people. And it doesn't just matter to yeah. you anymore. Like before it was, you, you felt like you were doing your great job because you're proud of what you did. Yeah. Now you, you're proud of what you do. And also a lot of people are going to want to know how you're getting on. And the consequences are, <laughs> the are consequences, a lot worse. Yeah, the consequences, yeah. you know, the stakes are so much higher. Yeah, you know, like I remember Damn. my first pit stop when I was at Marasha. I remember doing the, the the right front wheel gun, and it was the first live stop that I'd ever done in a pit lane. And it was a lot harder the wheel gun at the time because at the time on the Marasha car the nuts weren't retained in the wheel. So you know, like now, like all the teams, like the nuts stay in the wheel; they're like retained. Right. So each wheel has its own nut, but with the Marasha, the nut wasn't. The nut like came off with the gun, and you had to make sure that. It stayed on the gun until. That's exactly what happened. That's, that's that what was yeah, so like you say doing the pit stop. I couldn't hold it so in. That's what, so that's what, it, that's what it used to be like. That's what it used Mate, to be like. No like, way. Yeah, and you'd be like trying to sort of as you gunned it off, you'd be trying to like slow the socket down so that it wouldn't just spin yeah. off. Like it had magnets on it, but you're racing. You're trying to you're that's, trying to go. That's hard. ridiculous, man. That's yeah, so, so much it was pressure, it was way it? harder. And I remember like after that pit stop, I always remember it was Brazil, um, which at the time was like the last race of the season. And uh, I remember afterwards, for like the whole race after that pit stop, I was just there and I was shaking, man. I was still like, the <laughs> adrenaline, the adrenaline was flowing, you know? And now I look at going out on pit stops and I feel like I just go through my routine and it's calm and collected. It's amazing like how, how much it's changed for you in terms of mentality. Mm, so like you don't being, feel as much pressure now, like when you do a pit stop? Like the, the pressure's the same. Mm. It's just how you, how you react to it, I guess. How you like, it, yeah. Whereas it's, it's a lot easier for me now to block out everything else. Cause that's what you've got to do. Yeah. You know, on a race weekend, you're so busy all, all week, you know, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, all the way up to Sunday morning, you know, you've got all of the stuff that you're doing for your job and the car and the other stuff, you know, the, all the prep work, the stuff you're thinking about for the next event, you've got all that going on all weekend. And then you go to the grid and that's sort of the time where you're getting, for me, like everyone always says, you never smile on the grid. It's cause race face, you know, like yeah, I'm just focused now. Mm. Like my job's to get this car off on the formation lap, get back to the garage and then you get back to the garage and then my only focus is getting in that routine for pit stops and you have to just block everything out. And Who I were the drivers when you were at Red Bull, when you went there straight away? When I first started, it was Ricardo and Kvyat. Oh, sick. So you know Ricardo quite well. Yeah, yeah, Dan, Dan, I know Dan quite Legend. well. Legend, yeah. seems to be. We, we share, him. we share music tips every now and again. I'll say, have you listened to his album? And it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Have you listened to this? Oh, for real? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I always wanted to ask that. Do you guys have like a playlist or something which gets you hyped up before the race? I, do you know what? So I think like the garage is sort of known for having this massive sound sound system. Like people always hear it in the pit. Well, lane. the Red Bull one. The Red Bull yeah, one. Yeah, yeah. Like, it's, it's, it's loud. Like, you know, the neighbours have complained before. Really? Like it's, <laughs> Who's your neighbour? Mercedes? Well, it, obviously it changes year to year. At the yeah. moment we've got Mercedes on one side, Ferrari on the other side. Everyone's mm. quite chill. But I think there was a year when we were next door to McLaren and they weren't overly enamoured with our music <laughs> at the time. For me, like, oh, do you know what? The boys are going to hate this, but I can't stand all the house music. 
Okay, yeah, yeah. Oh, no, we're with you. We're oh, with you. mate, it just does me in, like, hours and hours, and it feels like you've had the same song on in the game. Yeah, 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 I wouldn't want that on It's just hours. the same kick and snare. Oh, and mate, it just does me in. just does me in constantly. But it's hard, you know, you've got that many people in the garage, you're never going to please everyone. Yeah. Yeah, so do you have quite a good relationship with the drivers then? Do you have to work with them a lot, or is your job... Do you stay away from them yeah, kind of thing? It, depends, or it, just it depends on the driver. Because it you seems know? like you have a really good relationship with Max. Mate, the, Max is so sound. Like, he'll come around, he'll talk to you. You just, you know, you talk like two colleagues would in any situation. There's no, like, pretense. There's no, there's no bullshit. It's, mm. you know, everyone's there to just do a job. He knows that, you know that. You can laugh about stuff outside of work as well, you know? It's, it's a really, like, normal, mutual yeah. sort mm -hmm. of relationship. And it's, it's been the same. It was always the same with Ricardo. He was... He's a friendly guy, you know, it's, it's the same thing. He'd come in the, he'd come in the garage, morning cans. You know, like, that's, that's, that's how it goes. It's always been, it's always been that kind of relationship, you know, it's in, and it's been the same with most of the drivers. I think the atmosphere in the garage as a whole sort of makes it like that. Mm. Yeah. You know, we're all, like, we are a friendly bunch. We are, we're social, you know, we're competitors, we're, we're fierce when we need to be, but we're also like, we get along, you know, we're a family, we, we have a laugh. It's definitely we really why we really wanted to get you on because we've obviously had performance coaches and it's interesting, like you say, this is the glue that holds Formula 1 together that you don't always get to see. But Red Bull in, well, especially now more than ever, everything at Red Bull seems so in sync. Like when we watch it on TV, just how quick everything is. And yeah. we always say like barely any mistakes. Like yeah, it's like watching like a synchronized ballet. Just thing. everything. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like all you guys are like, ro not robots, but you all just work like that. Yeah, so. like we, you know, we, we, we've gelled. Like as a unit in the garage, I feel like the, the atmosphere in general is everybody has to gel. Yeah. You know, you have to know each other. Like it's not, it's not just like a colleague relationship. Like we, 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 you might laugh and we joke to each other and say, oh, there's no friends in motorsport, but it's a lie. You know, there are, there are lots of friends in motorsport. You know, you, you, you get along with people, you live together. You spend so much time you with them. You live together. And I think it's, it's, it's one of the things that I think the fans don't see enough of. You know, when I look and I sort of, man, honestly, like social media at the moment and sort of the atmosphere among fans in F1 is so aggressive yeah. at the moment. You know, and it's not like that for us. It's mm. not like that for us with other teams. You know, we all live in the same spaces. You know, we take the same flights, we share hotels, we see each other in restaurants and bars, you know, and regardless of the fact that we're competitors, you know, some of my oldest friends in the paddock work at Ferrari. You know, we, we're friends, we get along, and I think maybe the fans need to see a bit more of that. Yeah. That's, what, that's what I was always thinking. There's photos like, um, you see all you guys sort of mixing on planes and that, and you're all, but you're all just having a laugh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we notice it in the paddock. Yeah. We've been so lucky to get into the paddock three times now they keep letting you in yeah mate. <laughs> well, they don't they actually don't we just fucking sneak in but anyway yeah no we've noticed that everyone's just like chill throughout the whole thing brad yeah. was saying last year at the end of last year there was a like a bit of tension between you guys and mercedes oh tension between red bull and mercedes that sounds a bit fiery doesn't Yo, it, Jake? i'm gonna want to listen to what he says there i'm gonna have to know what he says <laughs> it sounds totally epic guys if you want to hear what actually went down between mercedes and red bull you're gonna have to tune in to part two yeah thank you very much for listening to part one we've done what we did last time split it into two parts for a healthier listening experience so why don't you leave this episode head back to the main page <laughs> rate the podcast five stars ready there click the follow button and go and click enjoy episode part two, two. <laughs>
powered by Spirit Studios.